Bee Brick and the Bomb Books built up by Havilla Crooks with unburdened minds of bastardized Armenian logic projected as art evidence on backs and faces of our ancestral culprits wasted toiling as a majority on plantated crimes. We wanna knock and climb brass rings of wisdoms and build our own hot breath kingdoms and make fuming passions rain down ash and hand out dirty white rules to wipe up and memorize and howl our own law hand me downs upon the class of masses and grin as each graduate passes on our synthesized words that sterilize natural standard vision by degrees we banish slaving over someone else's questions test our problems and abolish all unsavory and good grammar and forbid shovels picking our hammers and the act of starching linen to become the educated ones wrapped in them
You are listening to Student Radio Maastricht. This is Zaki, your host and tech for today. I am joined by Sarah. Hello, hello. Elena. Hello. And Kwesi. Hello. Yep. We are continuing the discussion we had on being a minority in academia that we had in the previous hour. Right now we're speaking specifically like the double standards that we are facing in schools. Um, and to me, the way these double standards, at least the way I see it, is very much based on the way we frame certain discussions about things. And I will speak a lot about this uh, in the next little segment that we have. Um, but I want to get y'all opinions first. So Sarah, what do you think about these, about these double standards? What do you think is the source of them? Well, that's a hard question. <laughs> that's a hard question, man. Um, I would say double standards are, are pretty much seen everywhere. And double standards, for me, happen when you have actually one standard, so one reference, you know? Um, and, and particularly here, if we want to talk about the main standard of our uh, societies, I think it would be this white, young, um, male, heterosexual, yeah, um, all of this. Uh, and then everything is, you know, compared to that. And, and, and if you, if this person does something, uh, it might be treated better and viewed better <laughs> than if it's someone uh, that doesn't fit and doesn't match in all those, uh, you know, characteristics, so to say. Uh, but there's so much to say. I won't be able to provide a definition. <laughs> right, you're right, you're right. Kwesi, do you have any particular experience with this that you want to share? Um, I probably do, but I can't think of any right now. Um, but I, yeah, but when it comes to double standards, I think especially in terms of gender equality and these type of things, I think it's very important. Um, you know, not too long ago, but maybe our parents or grandparents especially our grandmothers weren't able to go out to work and these type of things and now you see a drastic change in how society acts but there's still this undercovered uh discovered standard that you know a woman can do certain things or she shouldn't be able to do certain stuff because she's just a woman which i think is pure crap to be quite honest mm -hmm. and i think that you know us bringing awareness is a good way to shed light on the situation because to be quite honest sometimes I think women are more capable of doing stuff that, that men can do, actually. Yay! <laughs> I know, one of my, I have a very good friend from high school um, who is now getting her doctorate in mathematics. And I'm just like, like, like she's, she's better in math than I will ever, ever, ever be. She's a woman, I'm a man. Mm. And mathematics was something taught that only men can do. Exactly. So. Yeah, because it's scientific. Kind yeah. Of. yeah. Mm. And then meanwhile, I'm a musician, which is like, you know, it's, it's an artistic field, but something is generally seen as more feminine. And even within that, there are certain instruments that are seen as more feminine and more masculine. Mm -hmm. So just, yeah, very fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Anna, do you have any thoughts? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> My blood is boiling already. I mean, I feel like, I mean, uh, for me, I, I've experienced some double standards, not in academia, because as said earlier, I'm new in this mm -hmm. field. But um, in life, uh, just because of gender, I suppose, uh, just because of being a woman, uh, when I uh, used to have the ice cream shop, for those who don't know, I used to have an ice cream shop when I used to have it. Um, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you. <laughs> but um, when that was going on, um, I had so many different experiences um, that I just, uh, I have no words. Even sometimes, just simply every time, so I was running the shop for five years, right? And then every time there was uh, a male serving the ice cream, 
at some point the question would pop up if he is my husband or if he is my boyfriend because it cannot be that I am the owner of the shop and I work there by myself without a man to like help me you know so like that is more my, my kind of double standard if it was a man nobody would even have asked you know like oh who's your wife in this shop you know like who who's mm -hmm. taking care of you here you know or you know who who's actually in control or something i don't know how to take that question you know so i feel like in that sense um yeah i've experienced a, a bit of it yeah. and um yeah, no, it really, it's horrible. But and, uh, just uh, in passing, I wanted to mention because uh, you mentioned uh, women in uh, STEM. Yes. And uh, we have uh, Akanksha, our of course. Uh, yeah, exactly. team, team member, who is also a woman in STEM. And she even uh, wrote a paper about uh, what is actually preventing uh, women from going for it, let's say, you know. And uh, I, I mean, I didn't read the whole paper, but I kind of saw some... Uh, some explanations that she posted and it was really interesting. You know, it happens in, in layers, you know, there's so many uh, points in which like, if you haven't given up so far, at some point you will probably give up because of uh, so many difficulties that are that are along the way, you know? Yeah. And like, it just starts already in, let's say kindergarten by saying, okay, uh, guys have a more scientific mind than women, you know, or like, I don't know. You know, all these little, yeah. these little kind of things that yeah. I don't know. A lot of times, people describe them as microaggressions, which I think I will talk, which I definitely will talk about actually mm -hmm. in yeah. the next section. Um, but right now, it's time to go to music, and we're going to listen to the very radical hip hop band Dead Prez. The song is called "They Schools." Before I put the song on, I want to say the the views and opinions expressed in this song are not necessarily the views and opinions of Student Radio Maastricht or RTV Maastricht. Just so y'all know, I love Dead Prez. <laughs> I love Dead Prez. <laughs> Grew up listening to them. My shit is a joke. The same people who control the school system control the prison system and the whole social system ever since slavery. Some redneck crackers Right around the time Third base Dropped the Cactus album But I was reading Malcolm I changed my name in 89 Cleaned the parts of my brain Like a baby nine I took a history class serious Front row Every day of the week Third period Fucking with the teacher's head Calling the races I tried to show them crackers Some light They couldn't face it I got my diploma From a school called Rickers Full of teenage mothers And drug dealing niggas In the hallways The popo was always present Searching through niggas' possessions Looking for dope and weapons Get your Lessons. That's what my moms kept stressing I tried to pay attention but their classes weren't interesting They seem to only glorify the Europeans Claiming Africans with only three-fifths of human beings They schools can't teach us shit My people need freedom We trying to get all we can get All my high school teachers could suck my dick Telling me white man lies Straight bullshit, bullshit. Step brainwash camp, they make you think if you drop out, you ain't got a chance to advance in life. They try to make you pull your pants up. Students fight the teachers and get took away in handcuffs. And if that wasn't
wasn't enough, then they expel you All your peoples understand it, but to them, you a failure Observation and participation, my favorite teachers When they beat us in the head with them books, it don't reach us Whether you break dance or rock sway to beat us Or be in the bathroom with your clique Smoking reefer, then you know they mad class Ain't important unless you add enough cash and multiples Unemployment ain't rewarding, they may as well teach us extortion You either get paid or locked up, the principal is like a warden in the four-year sentence Mad niggas never finish, but that doesn't mean I couldn't be a doctor or a dentist Day schools can't teach us shit, my people need freedom We trying to get all we can get, all my high school teachers can suck my dick Telling me white man lies, straight bullshit Day schools can't teach us shit, my people need freedom We trying to get all we can get, all my high school teachers can suck my dick Telling me white man lies, straight bullshit, bullshit, You are listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV, Maastricht 107.5 FM. Um, I am joined by Sarah. Hello, hello. Helena. Hello. And Kwesi. Hello. Yeah, we're talking right now about different double standards in education and all of these things. And like right now, I wanted to really focus on how academia really often tends to center a very Western perspective. And to give an example about this, um, so last year there was a huge controversy in the classical music world because um, a professor by the name of Philip Ewell, um, he made a presentation about, uh, so in the United States there is a, there, 
they uh, the a lot of music theory is based on the teachings and the writings of this one person, um, Schenker, who unfortunately was very, very much racist. And the thing is, the way if you analyze music in this way, it works very much, very well for Western classical music, particularly that was written by German by people who grew up in German-speaking countries in the 1800s. But if you apply it to other forms of music, it just does not really it does not latch on because you know there are also many other forms of music where that are different from Western music. And in addition to that, you know, because the fact that he was racist, he really was using this his theory on music on music to show that this music is superior to all these other things, which mm. cannot be separated. And so, because of the way because of because of the way this is taught, you know, it then ends up leading to things like Ben Shapiro saying that hip hop does not count as real music. Mm-hmm. This is oh. the way I see it, at least. Wow. Yeah, I mean. I think this is like yeah one kind of good example of double standard once again. Um, but uh, lately, actually, with friends, we're talking about double standards, and I don't know, just this anecdote came back to my mind, um, and I kind of came to the conclusion that when something, whatever it is, is done by someone who is white and you know ticks some of uh, those boxes, it's um, you know, it's going to be glorified or applauded, and, and, and when it's someone else, it's going to be bad. I'm going to give you one straight example, actually two in one, but, um, you know, like, I feel like all this positivity vibe has been pushed on so- social media for, you know, maybe two, three years already. And, you know, you can see all those, like, you know, morning routine, people, you know, waking up at four or five or something, you know, to have a productive day, and, and they do a bit of yoga and so on, and, I mean, God bless, that's cool, huh? Mm. But, um, for instance, when then you look at Muslim people, um, they do pray, uh, and when you pray as a Muslim, this is bodily and you know healthy and whatever. Um, and the first prayer is also in the morning, uh, always around 4:30. But this is less classy, I guess. Second mm. example, um, and it's backward, you know. Second example, um, I think especially that year, fasting has become the new trend, right? Oh, so yeah. people fast and they eat only from that time to that time, and it's so good for your body and so on. But when people do Ramadan, this is backyard. This is where you're torturing your body for a month, you know? Here, I feel like you can see double standards somehow. Because when something is, because it's kind of pretty much the same thing, it is also fasting, or it is also exercising, waking up your body. Um, But it's not the same being doing it, and the view on it is totally different. So I don't know what you think about this, guys, but those two examples were kind of striking to me in some ways. Oh, I think it's, I think it's very pertinent, actually. Um, Yeah, uh, you also, I thought that you had, you're thinking about something as well. Yeah, um, I remember when I just arrived to the Netherlands, I watched this movie on Netflix called Elaine Natchemensen, and it played on the stereotypes of minorities. And one thing that I remember is that they had a, this in the Bilma, Amsterdam Bilma, where majority of the population there are African people. And, you know, black people, it's black culture to wear a durag, wear gold and that type of stuff. And... You know, if a black person does it, it's seen as ghetto and, you know, really classless. But if a white person does it, it's like, oh, it's so cool. You know, this is in style. This is the, the trend now. So it's like you don't like black people's culture and you don't like anything that associated with black people. But when you do it, it's something cool and hip and trendy. And I just can't fathom why, you know, why is that? I think that's a really big thing, particularly in the internet as well, because like you see people who are now speaking in African American vernacular English, which when I was growing up, that was like just you know you're, you're not speaking English correctly. First of all, 
AAVE is a dialect of English. It has its own rules that a lot of white people don't get, honestly. It's funny, I see people using AAVE on the internet and they're using it incorrectly. And it's just like, <laughs> like you like, and, it's, and like you're using it till you look cool, but then when I use it, you think that I'm dumb, mm-hmm. which is just really infuriating, honestly. Yeah, I've seen like a lot of people, like um, white people these days, like using period. I'm like, huh? Like, you know, it doesn't even sound right <laughs> when you say it sometimes. Doesn't feel right, doesn't sound right. <laughs> I mean, to me, the biggest example is, uh, it's a construct called the habitual B. So if I say that I be playing basketball, hmm. that does not mean that I am playing basketball at this moment. What that means is that I play basketball. In general. Yeah, in, in general. general. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah a lot of people if you a lot of people like a lot of people they think that if i say i be playing basketball that means that i am playing basketball at the second no it's not that's not that's literally not what it is and it's something that does not exist in standard american english but it does exist in african-american english so it's one of those double standards that people will see of and they end up thinking of us as less uh, less than them just because they don't really understand what it is and they don't really see the point in trying to understand Mm Because, yeah, it's rather frustrating. I had a a thought. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's also a double standard because it's like about uh, how... uh, Well, I will tell the story and then you will see. (laughs) Uh, Well, maybe you know this already because it happened in France. But like two years ago, there was like... uh, There was this Nigerian uh, writer. Her name is uh, Shimamanda Adiki. I'm not very good pronunciation, sorry, in advance, but um, so basically she was being interviewed about a book that she wrote at a book festival and then the interviewer asked her, oh, are your books, you know, uh, read in Nigeria? And then she was like, yeah, of course. And then she asked, do you have bookshops in Nigeria? You know, and that's like the craziest thing is like you're literally interviewing an author an award-winning author you know and like you don't have questions about like her work or her inspiration or something like that your question is literally do they have book uh, bookshops in nigeria you know that's so condescending wow. yeah exactly yeah. it's so ridiculous <laughs> and uh, at the, that point like the crowd had a reaction like what kind of question is that and the interviewer was even like yeah no you know but she even like justified her question with some ridiculous uh, kind of and thing you know so yeah i don't know i i don't know if this is a, a double standard in, in that sense but yeah i think you know and uh, any other person that would have written a book they would have been like oh your book mm-hmm. this and that you know they're not going to ask like oh do you have bookshops in your hometown because it's like duh you know yeah exactly <laughs> right now we do have to move to a song but i want to talk more about this in the next panel when you're talking about specifically women in academia but also just in my about microaggressions in general but our next song is going to be the song just a girl by the band no doubt
listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV-FM, 107.5 FM. Yes, RTV-Maastricht, yes. I am joined by Sara. Hey. Helena. Hello. And Kwesi. Hi. We are talking about these double standards that we have in academia. Um, and so, before, of course, we listen to a song, Just a Girl, which is obviously about sexism. And I really want to talk about science, women's in science in particular, um, because... I saw this very recently, how similar to, are you all familiar with the Bechdel test for oh, like yeah. movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if two, uh, there are two women, uh, that's the, the minimum standard for a meeting uh, for like, I don't know. Yeah, minimum, minimum standard is like there have to be in the movie uh, two female characters that have at least one scene in which they talk to each other about something other than a man. Exactly. That's the that's the standard. Bare minimum. <laughs> um, well, they've now created actually a similar test. Um, this was this was created by uh, uh, yes, it was created by uh, a science freelancer um, Christy Ashwanden. I hope I pronounced her last name correctly. Um, but it was really created for like you know when you're writing a profile of a female scientist for like the New York Times or Nature magazine or something like this. And it's a point to avoid just it being just, and not even overtly sexist, but like having these little things. So it cannot mention the fact that she's a woman, her husband's job, her childcare arrangements, how she nurtures her underlings, how she was taken aback by the competitiveness in her field, how she's such a role model for other women, or how she's the first woman to do something. And I think that's a really, really interesting way of, interesting way of putting it, particularly the last one, because a lot of times you see all these things where it's the first person to do something like this. But the thing is, as soon as you mention that it's the first, how that's the first person to do something or the first woman to do something, it's no longer about that person. It's now about the about the sexism in that field in general. Yeah, it's just something that I find really fascinating, and it's something that you like you don't really see at all in comparison in these writings about men at all. Mm-hmm. And I think this is actually the important, like, interesting point because I'm sure that many people, like, I guess, in newspapers, you know, if you present them this chart, they would be like, "Oh my God, what am I going to write about?" You know, and this shows that when it's a, like a female, directly everything rotates around her love life and parenting, right? Um, and not around her work. While actually, if you you know get rid of all of this, you can you know write a nice 500 words on the book that was actually written or the you know. The, the discovery that has been made. So I think I think this is a nice initiative, actually. Yeah, I think it's I think it's rather brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but also you're talking about we also want to talk about double standards within female politicians as well and how they are viewed. For example, like the United States, we have not had a female president yet. We have now have our first female president, our first female vice president, Kamala Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. But that is it, and it's just really 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 weird to see how long these double standards have created because now I have a feeling that you know now we're going to be talking about all these things forever for example it's just it's a really bizarre situation in politically in the way that women are seen when they are in these places of power yeah 100% I mean as soon as you get to a place of power you know you're you're a threat somehow or like I don't know, uh, you're a bitch, you know, I, I don't... You I had don't to go under the table to yeah, get what you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know, or like something like that. I was thinking, 
For example, a few years back when there was still Berlusconi around, I don't know where he is these days, thank goodness. <laughs> But, uh, well, when Berlusconi was still talking, <laughs> uh, like he, he always had something to say about uh, Angela Merkel, for example. Mm. And it was always, he said several times like, oh, For example, that her butt is big or something like that, you know, like some some ridiculous, like sexist uh, comments, you know, that would be like, first of all, if a woman would have said something like that about uh, another politician, a man, that would be the major scandal. And two, like he would have never said something like that to another man. So like that's mm -hmm. like uh, four times double standard. Um, and it's just. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it just it's infuriating. I can't, I can't. I'm getting angry about this because it's just like it's so hard to 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 achieve something, you know, when yeah, everything you do will be will be viewed in a different way. And I guess this goes back to also what we were talking about in the in the first hour, you know. Sometimes it's just like you have to work twice as hard to achieve less, you know, or like to be recognized less or like If we talk about again, like women in uh, in uh, STEM, like so many times, uh, yeah, they're they're just left aside, and they're just like someone's wife or someone, someone's mother. They're not like a genius scientist, <laughs> you know. I don't get it. It really is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's time to take action against this. And so, in the spirit of that action, we're going to move to our next song, which is called "Student Demonstration Time" yes. by the Beach Boys. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. You're listening, this is Zaki speaking and you just listened to Student Demonstration Time by the Beach Boys. I'm being joined by Sarah. Hello. Helena. Hello. And Kwesi. Hello. And we're talking about <laughs> these double, double standards that we are facing in academia. Um, this section I really want to talk about, like actually know the structure of universities themselves because I actually saw this paper that was written by, um, it was published in the Journal of Academic Freedom in the United States. Um, and it's about, about how there's actually even a double standard for people who are teaching in these institutions. Um, and a quote from it is that, like, that more often than not, the autonomy that people, that, that you know, it's expected that when you're, when you're a professor, you get a certain amount of autonomy through tenure or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this autonomy is not afforded to faculty who are of the wrong pers- political persuasion, race, or religion. Suppression of academic freedom is especially pronounced for socially defined black faculty who critically examine white supremacy. Which is just, you know, that's how I feel like that's really how these structures end up staying in place. Because if the people who are teaching them cannot teach their students how to actually combat these things, what can be done? Yes, um, I mean here first I would kind of say that uh, academia does, is not in a vacuum, right? Academia is in our societies, so all the social poor relations that you're going to find out there, they're also going to be in academia, right? And it happened to me even at my faculty once, like um, I met this uh, one uh, tutor and she was like, yeah, how is it going? And I told her about a course that for me was like just really not even Eurocentric, this was insulting to intellectually mm. even for us, you know, and, and, and she had this sentence and she told me, welcome to Western Academia, Sarah. And she wasn't from the West herself, right? Uh, she was a, a minority uh, as yeah. a staff member. And um, yeah, I think it's also hard. I, I think that their experience is hard as well, you know, because when you make your point, I remember, for instance, like this is kind of two examples, but I think it's highly interesting. You know how um, when you write a research paper, you're told, you know, you shouldn't use the I because the I is for the opinion and you should say the paper is gonna embark on a journey or whatever. And I remember like um, this, I had one tutor was a woman, woman of color, 
and Muslim woman and then she was she made her point pretty clear she thought this was bullshit kind of and she was like you know guys when you write a paper you write a paper uh, it's not the paper writing itself so at some point you have to you know own it um, and then I had another class with a young PhD student white Dutch woman and she talked about this wee thingy and so I was like mm, that's interesting I want to confront this idea so I kind of you know explained that to her and she was like mm, I don't know you know this is the way it works you mm. don't do it and here I could see, you know, because you have this, yeah, kind of illusion of neutrality because we use a we and because no, but this, your paper is as political as someone else's paper. But it's just because we're so used to think that, you know, anything that comes from a white mouth and especially I think white professors is kind of, you know, just, yeah, facts. You know, actually, that's actually something that I remember even when I was in high school, actually. I remember when I was in ninth grade, we had a, an exam on, like a, like a quiz or an exam on like how subject how subject pronouns and how they have to match, be matching in gender and mm. um, and um, quantity with whatever the predicate is, you know? And so, you know, me being the, you know, the guy, the, the kind of person I was and I was very active in my LGBT community and as well in my school, you know, a lot of questions. If I did not know the gender of this person, I would just use singular, singular they. And our teacher took points off of that because you know that's not something that is overall accepted. But even so, I think that even the point of academia is the point to challenge is the is to is the point of it is to challenge these things. You know, mm -hmm. it's obvious that I, I obviously knew I was obviously knew the rules. You know, every single editor I got on the quest on the on that quiz that didn't have to do with singular that like where I couldn't use a singular they. You know, I got correct. It was only these little things, but I think there's a there's a really interesting role that academia plays in upholding these 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 the stratification that we that exists in this world and these kind of prejudices that exist. Yeah, that's the point. But for instance, if you're a person of color and you know, we, for instance, I wrote a paper on police brutality in France, and I was talking about systemic uh, racism, systemic stuff, and then structural things that has to be changed and for instance the feedback are like oh you know maybe it's a bit too much to say that something is systemic you know like this kind of you know and I do agree that nuance should always be there but there's nuance and nuance and mm -hmm. often uh, in academia you have this thing of like you have to hear both sides so mm. this is a fair <laughs> description or whatever but when poor relations are not fair how do you do you know uh, and I think this is what is hard for people of color who also get into academia. You want to get there because you want to change things, you know. And before I wanted to pick up this color and I was so, you know, impatient to do this. I love doing research. Uh, but unfortunately, we have the same bias in academia as in society, as I said. So I think it's really hard. Some people have the strength to do so. Um, but yeah, I think it's... Um, yeah, that's academia's role, so to say, to change things. But it can also, like, kind of, you know, maintain the system as it is. Somehow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there's something you said about the incident you said about how, how oh I don't know if it's necessarily systemic or individual. That's an, that's a whole entire question of how that discussion is framed exactly. itself. And so, you know, what is the role of what, how, what is the role of education then in framing the discussions in a way that we can actually challenge them? Because the way I see it, particularly with issues of racism, if you frame it as an individual issue, then that takes then then you know it takes the entire. It takes. It takes. There's. There's no meat in that. You know. You can't really do anything about it. You know. It's just like okay. It's just someone's. It's just some, that that one person who's doing a bad thing. I actually had a discussion recently on the internet with someone who, to them, racism. It, it it's based on intent, not necessarily about impact. And the thing is, like, I can't know. I can never know what someone's intent is because I can't read minds, and people lie all the time. Mm. So, 
No, and I mean, at some point, intention for me should not even be on the table. I think we should really go and pass that point. Exactly. When you're born in a society that has an history, you have legacies of that. At some point, I think it's also some kind of humility that I ask white folks or privileged folks to have, you know? You are a human being. So even though you have the greatest intention in the world, there's something you do not, you know, have power over, or you can recover power over, but it would mean acknowledging it first, you know? Yeah. So intention, this has to, you know, this world, I don't want to hear about it anymore because mm -hmm. it's not a matter of intention. It's a matter of like systemic things. And if, and you're part of this system, so maybe we're all in this together. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't there a saying that is like, the way to hell is paved of go good intentions? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, spot on. Yeah, no, that's definitely a saying. and. Particularly with the rule of in, like, yeah, it's just I think that like the discussion, I think the even the frame of discussion as a matter of intention, it really just weakens the ability to even challenge these what these issues are. But on that note, we also do have to go to a song right now. So it's actually our Dutch song for the second hour. Um, it is by the artist Fresco, and the song is called Zo Do You Dat. Uh, it's featuring Temong Braz and Go Back to the Zoo. Oh shit, you're 
trots dat ze er zijn. Hier is Go Back to the Zoo in Fiscal Live. listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV Maastricht 107.5 FM. This is Aki, your tech and host for today, and I am joined by Sarah. Hello. And Elena. Hello. Kwesi had to leave because he had to go home. They had to go home and, you know, yeah. the, 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 um, the curfew, you know, yeah. gotta make sure that they get home before nine o'clock. Thanks, mm-hmm. curfew, taking Kwesi away. <laughs> I mean, as lo- if, if, if it helps to get COVID under control, I am at. Yeah. At least we got to see him. Exactly. <laughs> but actually, the main subject for today on, you know, these double standards on in academia and in general. Are there any final points y'all want to make? <laughs> Sarah, you go ahead. Oh my God, any final point I want to make? No, I think that, yeah, as I said previously, I think with some sort of humility and, and self-reflexivity, um, everything should be all right. And, and no, if I want to make one point, is that often I'm, you know, thinking about all the stuff, you know, race, gender, class, and if you want to be really pragma- you know, pragmatist and, 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 and realistic, I think I'm gonna die and those things are still gonna be there, you know? Um, so then I'm, the question is like, okay, what do we do actually? And I think that we have two things, um, two possibilities. First, to create knowledge and to provide sources. Uh, for future generations so that they can build on it uh, because personally I can say that it's because so many people worked before me on those poor relations um, and on those topics that now I'm more informed and I'm able to talk about it uh, for instance Edouard Said is a Palestinian-American writer and he was f- so important to me both personally intellectually and um, I am able somehow to build on his work uh, for my own sake, for instance. So I think that's the, the best we can do. Um, think and then and, and produce knowledge again. Yeah. Yeah. 
Elena, do you have any thoughts? I love that. I I, I don't really have uh, any thoughts right now, I have to say. Sometimes uh, it does feel like, uh, you know, when, when you're confronted with these things, it feels like such a big mountain to, um, to, to you know, overcome. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I just... Yeah, I think it's just how to try to stay positive and you know don't don't give a fuck basically. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's all all I can say because I think in the end you know that's uh, if you if you're gonna let them stop you, they win. You know, I mean, obviously it's it's easier said than done. You no, know, no, but, but it's like, true. Yeah. It's true. And I think you should discuss because the, yeah. when you discuss, you notice that you have way more common point with people than you know disparities yeah. uh, as um like you said like uh like yeah when you were listening uh, to the to the music um you know it's not you know some people are racist but they have you know way more common point with you than you would expect to um this reminded me actually of um this uh iranian writer uh, who wrote uh persepolis mm -hmm. and she had this mahran satrapi I yeah love right I love yeah same book. childhood memories i swear uh, but she wrote this about you know the us and iran for instance she was like you know the governments of iran and the governments of the us have much more in common yeah. um, than what we think you know because we would think those are opposite governments and same for its people uh, and i think this is something that should be kept in mind in those conversations you know and that we should focus on our humanities and we should not neglect difference though you know i think being colorblind or genderblind or everything blind is kind of not a not a realistic also just I think yeah. also colorblindness it really does um, just the whole it's, it's, a, it's another form of racism colorblindness is if I, and for further reading on this I rec highly recommend the book Racism Without Racists by Eduardo Bonilla bon bon Eduardo Bonilla Silva I think was his last name it's a hyphenated last name Google the book Racism Without Racists excellent book really it's really I think recommend rec required reading for anyone who really wants to understand racism in the United States and how the stratification, you know, works in the nowadays when people are afraid to really think about racism mm -hmm. in a concrete way. Because colorblind is kind of like you don't even want to, I think it's very dangerous for me when you cannot put words on things. Exactly. Because putting words on things is the first step to deal with the, the issue. So as long as you don't recognize the issue, uh, as Michael Max said, uh, you're in the shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, it is about time to head to some music. So, and end the show. But yeah. I want to thank everyone for allowing us to be here. Thank RTV. Thank you, Sara, for joining us thank today. Thank you so much for hosting, guys. Thank I'm you, really Sarah. happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's not really much of a cultural agenda for this hour. There yeah. really isn't much happening right now in Maastricht because there's a like nine o'clock curfew. We're yeah. in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Stay at home. Exactly. Stay safe. Yeah. Um, Look for online events, you know, there's quite a lot of cultural uh, events happening, mm -hmm. the International Week Zeit. Like webinars, panels, and yeah. so on. There's uh, Bela's podcast, Queering True. the Perspective. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Check it out. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, broaden, broaden your perspectives, change mm -hmm. the focus on, take it, take, I mean, they're still a white person, but, you know, they are still, Learn. also, they're outside of the binary of, you know, male, female, gender, and so you can also just think about these things in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Widen your perspective. Change the frame. Break the frame. You Ooh. Know? Exactly. Break the frame. I like it. <laughs> so thank you, RTV, for letting us be on the air. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Thank you, guys. To close you out, this is School in Life by Beyonce.